My name's Don. Good to see you guys. Some of you, um, maybe I've never met before. They, Alan invites me every now and again to come and fill in, and I'm always excited to do so. And for you that I have seen before, it's been, what, six months since we've been able to get together. So, so excited to be able to be together again and to be able to travel with you in your journal as you deal with um, fitting into God's story and how do we fit, where do we fit. And today we look at this whole block of, of how do we fit as witnesses to his story? How, do, how does our story intersect with, with his story? And I don't know if you're like a lot of us, when you hear that word witnesses, you go, oh my, okay, I'm checking out. What that's, you're getting, and uh, I want you to kind of hang in there with me a little bit. There's two words that, that you would automatically know, I think, when it comes to witnessing and be witnesses. Um, the word is life and the other word is lip. So through our life and through the words that come through our lips, we, we bear witness of who he is and what he's all about. Now, if it's all about life and no words, it sometimes falls a little bit short and uh, nobody can connect the dots to what we're talking about. If it's all words and no life to back it up, it's pretty hollow at times and even a little phony. But life and lips together make for, for good witnesses. So we're going to look at the ninth chapter of John. If you have your Bibles and, or you want to turn or turn them on or some of the verses will be up on the screen. There's, a, there's an account in this gospel that um, ignites my thinking because it takes our life and it takes our words and it twisted in just enough irony that catches me completely off guard and actually gives me hope that I can, I can really be a witness to, to who he is and what he's all about. So as we get into that, that story, I'd like you to do something for me, a little experiment if you feel comfortable. Just close your eyes or look down at least and consider what it would be like if at this moment you lost your sight so that the darkness that you see, the blackness behind your eyelids is something that now you have to live with. And you'd have to walk from um, this seat here or online if you would have to walk out of your house to your car. Can you imagine what that would be like? I mean, some of you don't even remember where you parked. Could you get there with your eyes closed? Could you get there with no sight? Is there a curb or steps that you have to deal with? If you're up in the loft, do you remember the stairs and how many steps? Is there a wall? Are there trees? And once you got to your car and you were completely blind, what would you do then? <laughs> I don't even want to be in the parking lot, I think, with you in that condition trying to get home. <laughs> Are you going to open your eyes and come back? It's pretty devastating, isn't it, when you think about being blind? And Jesus comes across a man who is not only blind, but he was born blind. He was blind from birth. And he's walking out of the temple from being at one of the feasts. He has his entourage with him, some of his disciples and followers. And they come across this man who's really a beggar. I mean, when you talk about blind from birth, he's never seen the sun. He's never seen the stars or the moon, never seen his mother's face. 
Never seen his own face. He's ostracized, he's lonely, he's rejected. He was never able to go to school as a child. He could never hold a job. He could never marry, have children, or support his family. Can you imagine the humiliation, the frustration? And he's sitting on the outside gates of the city, really as a beggar, hoping somebody will have enough pity on him to give him some kind of gift to get through the day. And Jesus finds him, seeks him out. And as he's walking up, the rest of the group is coming with him. And one of his disciples barks out, wow, (laughs) dude, look at that guy. He must have really messed up. And one of the other disciples says, "Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't know if it was his sin or his mother's sin or his father's sin, but man, somebody really messed up that he's in that kind of condition. I wonder what Jesus' eyes did to his disciples as they were saying that. But before we kind of jump on their case, let me just say they address a question that probably we all deal with somewhere along the line. I mean, they didn't say it in the right words, and I mean, and people often don't. If you're with a disability or you're in some kind of condition that um, is devastating, people will say some of the cruel things, at least not gracious, encouraging. Here, here they're just barking out, but they're, they're mentioning this question that we all deal with. Why do bad things happen to good people? God, you're supposed to be so good. Why are you allowing that kind of suffering? Why are you allowing that kind of evil to take place? If you're so powerful and you're so loving, What's the deal? Why don't you do something? George Barna did a poll a few years ago and he said, asked a question, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? And basically the top questions all dealt around that very thing. How come good people have bad things happen to them? And where's God? Where's a good God when evil hits? And so it's like, this is really what the disciples are saying. One scholar has, has created two categories. He said, as you deal with it, you either deal with it with karma or with kingdom. When you're trying to ask the why question, why is all this happening? Karma is good things happen to good people, bad things happen to bad people. So if something bad is happening to you, you must be bad. That's basically the underlying question there. Kingdom views come out of a different perspective, which we're gonna look at. But as we try to deal with that, how do you, how do you put that together? There's a, there's a theological term called theodicy. It's theology, it's philosophy put together. Why do bad things happen to good people? Where's, where's a good God and why is there evil? And the Bible kind of puts some things together and through theology. And so I wanna just list a few of them in case you're interested in it because one of the things that's a, that's a hindrance to us sometimes when we think about being a witness is how do I answer questions like that? What if somebody asked me a question like that? How do I deal with that? Bible would, would say a couple things. First thing it would say is that, you know, it, it, it might be because of sin that that man's blind. It might be. I mean, we can all say, there's been some time in my life, maybe even right now, where I've made some really horrible decisions, poor decisions, crazy decisions, 
ungodlike decisions, and there's consequences. It might have affected our health, might have affected our, 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 our well-being, it might have affected our future, our relationships, and we can just say, you know what? <laughs> That's why I'm missing, I just made some poor choices. But here you have this guy born blind. So it's like, how in the world could there be, could he have done enough wickedness while not yet born, while still in the womb of his mother? How could he do enough wickedness in the womb of his mother to merit that kind of blindness for life? Well, then maybe the sin is of his parents, you know? I would say, well, possible sometimes. I mean, his mother might have been abusing alcohol or drugs and maybe there was a birth defect because of that or maybe his dad was abusive and pushed the mom down and she fell you know, down the stairs or something and there was a, a birth defect. It, it's possible, I suppose. The Bible also says another way to look at it though is, is that we just live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world. The Bible will talk about how when God created everything in Genesis 1 and 2, created the whole world, he said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then he created man and woman, Adam and Eve, it's good, it's even better than I thought. And then sin, disobedience comes in and everything just falls apart. Sin interjects itself into this world and affects everything from the condition of this man and woman to the condition of the world so that everything, disease and Disaster, weather patterns, death itself enters into the human existence because of sin. Things huge to things small, pain in childbirth, thorns in the ground, all come from that. And, and until the Lord comes again, and when he comes again, he's going to redeem even the creation. But until then, we deal with a fallen world that, that just sometimes it's it's, it's, it's the way we live. It's where we live. The Bible says sometimes it's the attack of an evil, of the evil one. It's the attack of demons or of, of Satan himself. And that it's not just bad people that have bad things happen to them. Sometimes good people, sometimes godly people, the most righteous of people have things happen to them. And it's an attack of the evil one to trip them up. I mean, if you go in the Bible and you read about Job, you remember Job in the Old Testament? Job was like the most godly man that, that's ever lived, the most righteous man up to that time. And his life is decimated. And as we read through and he hears friends and family say, you must have messed up somewhere. There's gotta be sin here somewhere for this to happen to you. This doesn't happen normally. There's gotta be something that you, you're hiding something. They find out that really the whole time it was Satan attacking him, hitting him with everything he had. Jesus, who sinned none, not at all, suffered untold suffering. Sometimes it's the godly, not the ungodly, that suffer. Sometimes we're just an innocent victim. You happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, and boom, something happens. You're driving down the road, minding your own business, on the other side of the road, somebody is texting while they're driving. They cross the line, crash the car, and the result is tragic. Wrong place, wrong time. Just innocent victims. 
The one that the Bible talks about that I think resonates with me more and more, the older I get and the longer I've been in ministry is, you know what, it's, it's sometimes it's just a mystery why these things happen. We don't know the answer. We don't know what God's up to, why he is or isn't doing what, what we think he should do. And none other than Paul himself, an apostle, in one of his writings says, who can know the mind of God? Who can know what God's up to? And his answer is, not me. I certainly don't. And I'm thinking, if the apostle Paul doesn't know, how do I ever get to know? I, I'm not sure I'm even close to his, his intellect nor his spiritual maturity. Paul says, I, there's just sometimes you, you shake your head. And as a pastor, I've heard so many stories and so many things that just break my heart. And people look at me and they want an answer. And my answer is, I, I just don't know. I don't know why. And until the Lord comes again or until I go to heaven and I can sit down with him, I'm not sure I ever will know until he can explain it to me. We just don't know. As we try to answer that why question and deal with the whole karma thing, Jesus twists it in a way and turns it that catches everybody off guard. He doesn't deal with the sin issue. He goes to the suffering issue. He goes to the brokenness that people deal with, that we all deal with. In John 9, the verse, verse 3, the third verse, he says to his disciples, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened, and are you, are you ready for the kingdom perspective? This happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. This happened so that God might do something that we never expected and that his glory, his goodness. In fact, he later says, a couple of phrases down, I'm the light of the world. I've come to this world to no matter how broken, how painful, how much suffering, I'm bringing light to it. And this is an instant, an instance when I'm bringing light. This is an opportunity. Now, in a few moments we see he gets healed and he can see again, which I'm always ready to sign up for something like that, but that's really not where this, this whole thing is going. He's addressing a kingdom perspective of our suffering, of our pain, of our brokenness. Now, you might not be blind. You might not have such a severe disability as some, but I hasten to say I, I would imagine there's a sense of brokenness in every one of us today. There's some pain. Maybe you're going through a season right now which is very, very difficult and you're wondering why. How could this happen? How could God let this happen? What in the world's going on? And Jesus says, it's not because of you're a bad person necessarily. I'm, I'm gonna ask you not to ask the question why, I'm gonna turn to the question how, how then can I display in my life a kingdom display that honors and glorifies the Lord Jesus? How could I live my life? Yes, even my suffering. And this is what blows me out of the water with my witnessing because I would think to be a witness, I must be perfect. I must know all the scriptures and be able to quote them left and right. I must be perfect in my example, perfect in my life. I want people to, when I walk in the room to go, 
Oh, man. Wow. There's Don. He's righteous. Then they'll be like, he's such a good witness because he lit. Well, I fall short of that, I have to tell you. And what I love is there's more of a message that comes in our suffering and in our brokenness. People might be impressed with our perfection, but they're drawn in in our pain, in our brokenness. They're drawn in to us saying, I just wanna be real, it's tough right now. I just wanna be real, I'm hurting. I just wanna be real, but the loss I feel, the pain I feel, the suffering I'm going through is devastating. But God's faithful and God's good and I don't know the answer what the other side's gonna look like, but I trust him that I'm gonna get through this and it'll be all right. God's been faithful in the past, like the song we sang, he's been faithful all my life. He's still gonna be faithful. There's, there's something to that when when you look at somebody and you say, I thought, they, I thought they were believers in God. I thought that they walked with God. But when I've watched them now deal with what they're dealing with, and I've watched them go through this really tough season, I know, I know they walk with God. I know they're Christians. I know they're believers. Instead of running from God, they're embracing God. They're pressing into God. Instead of becoming bitter and angry, they're... They're doing just the opposite, that there's a joy that exudes from them that's so much different that even in their brokenness, the light of the world is shining through. There's something about that. 10 years ago, I, I um, suffered a, a spinal cord injury. I've, I've shared my story here before in, in years past. Uh, went into the hospital with a lot of back pain, Next day, through emergency surgery, I had the doctor stand at the foot of my bed talking to my wife and I, saying, I don't know if he'll ever walk again. I'm not sure he ever will. Went into a month of rehab and a rehabilitation center where first they talked about trying to get me to walk again, but really it was learning how to transfer from a wheelchair to a bed and from a bed to a wheelchair and from a wheelchair to a regular chair and how to just care for yourself with some of the basic needs that you never thought as an adult you'd ever have to deal with again. My life was devastated. I felt like my life was over. I felt like I, just, I felt, I can't, I can't even express all I felt. It was boom. In the middle of the, re, the rehab, as I continued to learn how to navigate in a wheelchair, had numerous therapists. One time my therapist came in and said, hey, it's a beautiful afternoon up in the Northwest, springtime, which isn't always beautiful, it's usually raining, it's sunny, the blossoms are coming out, the leaves are starting to bud, colors of spring. Let's go for a walk outside, which means me wheeling. <laughs> and we're walking for a while and she goes, hey, there's a park up there, you would really love it if you wanna go. I said, no, it's uphill, she goes, I'll push you. So she starts pushing me in the wheelchair up to this park. And as we're going, she says, Don, you're a pastor, aren't you? I say, yeah. What do you think? What do you mean? What do you think about God? I mean, now that this has happened to you, do you feel the same about God? Now that this has happened to you, what, 
where's your faith in God? And where's God? He's like basically saying, are you, are you gonna throw up your hands and quit? And I, you know, if I think if I prepared for it, I, I might've come up with some kind of statement, but she caught me so off guard that it blew me away. And I just, I just responded to her with all, with all I knew. And that is, I, I can't imagine going through this without God. I don't know why I'm in this condition. I don't know why he allowed this to happen. I don't, I don't understand it. I would rather not be like this, but I, can, I can't imagine what it'd be like to have to deal with this without God. He's my only strength I know. He's my only hope. He, he's the only thing beyond what I have right here that I can hang on to. He's been faithful. He's been good at it. I don't know anything else. As the month ended and getting ready to go home, still in a wheelchair, I went to each of my therapists and doctors and just thanked them for helping me. And uh, when I came up to her, I, I just thanked her. She was so kind and she was so helpful. And she said, no, 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 no. Thank you. Thank you. Thank me? What? Thank me? I was a creepy old patient, you know. I wasn't, I wasn't very patient patient. Thank you, she said. I haven't been to church since I was a little girl. And just in our conversation, I was reminded again that no matter how tough life gets, I can turn to God and that he'll be there for me. Thank you. Thank you. There's something about life, the way we live our life, that when we hang in there, even through the toughest of times, that the glory of God and the light of the world can shine through us. He shines in a way that when we're dealing with other people that are going through the same kind of thing, we have words of comfort that no one else has. If you have a disability or you have some kind of disease or illness, chronic illness that has put you in a condition, that others that are going through the same thing, you can speak into their life like no one else can speak. And you can comfort them with the words that you're comforted by from our Lord. If you've gone through a divorce, you can speak into somebody's life who's going through the pain of divorce and feeling the rejection and feeling the isolation and you can encourage them like, like no one else can. Somebody's children have walked away from God and you've known that same experience and the pain and the heartache, but you can minister to them and you can encourage them like, like no one else can. Paul says that when, when I recognize the suffering that Jesus paid on the cross for me, and I enter his suffering, and through my suffering, I become more like Jesus, then with the same way that he comforts me, the same way that he ministers to me, I in turn can comfort others. And so I don't ask why as much as what now? How can I be used in my life? And the irony is in, my, in the worst part of my life, Paul talks about a vessel that is filled with light and the light overflows and people can see the light. But even more so, every now and again, that vessel will be cracked. And the more cracks in it, the more light shines through and the more the light shines through the cracks than, than without the cracks. He gives some of us that are cracked pots a little bit of hope. But the light shines through our brokenness more than anything else, life. Well, then Jesus takes it and he turns everything around. 
Verse, uh, verse six of chapter nine says, having said this, Jesus spit on the ground. You can tell this was before COVID. If you're a man, you're going, I didn't think I could follow Jesus, but uh, I can be like Jesus and spit on the ground. Spit on the ground. Didn't even take the blind person and say, I didn't see that coming. What are you doing? Spitting on the ground. Made some mud with his saliva and put it on the man's eyes. That's a weird thing, isn't it? Put it on the man's eyes. Told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and he came home seeing. After a lifetime of not seeing, his eyes were open. Can you imagine what that was like? I mean, everything was unbelievable. That's a tree. Those are birds. A dog. <laughs> oh, so that's a cat. You know, <laughs> ooh, I thought that's what they looked like. I, I don't know. I mean, what an amazing thing. And people rejoiced with him and they said, are you the same guy? Because now you got joy and you're laughing and you're, you're bright and you cleaned up. You looked in the mirror and you cleaned yourself up. Are you that same? Oh, I'm the same guy. Well, what happened to you? When they start asking him that question, verse 10 says, that man that they called Jesus made some mud, put it in my eyes, told me to go to wash it in the pool of Siloam. I washed it. I can see. Wow. Goes before the Pharisees. The Pharisees, what in the world's going on? This man, this Jesus, who is he? Where is he? I don't know where he is. That's kind of a cruel question to ask a blind man. I was blind. He took off. I don't know where he went. I had mud all over my eyes. I haven't seen him since. He's a bad man. Why is he a bad man? Well, we have a clipboard and a checklist. He broke all kinds of laws. You're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath. Check. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. He spit and made mud. It's like kneading bread. That's work. Check. He made you walk all the way to the pool of Siloam. That's, you're not supposed to travel on the Sabbath. Check. He's a bad man. He's a bad guy. He, he is not good. He's a sinner. Crazy guy. Who are you doing following him? He says in verse 25, I don't know whether he's a sinner or not. Only thing I know is this. I was blind. And now I see. He just tells a story. I don't even know who Jesus is. I don't know all the theology I need to know. I don't know all the scripture I need to know. I don't know all the laws, all the do's and don'ts that I need to know. I don't know any of that stuff. I don't know who, I, he might be a prophet, he might be a good guy, he might, I don't know that he's a bad guy. He seems like a good guy to me if he's healing blind people. I, have, I don't know enough about him. I'm certainly not an expert. I do know this. I know what I used to be and I know what I am today. I know I used to be blind. I know now that I see. He just tells a story. You see, to be a witness, we don't have to be experts. I hope we grow in our knowledge of the Bible and we grow in our, our theology and, and all, I hope we grow in that, but we don't have to be experts. All we have to do is just tell our story. This is the way I used to be. Jesus came into my life and this is the way I am now. Please know this, I, I need to hear your stories. You need to hear one another's stories. There are times I just feel like quitting. If I'm honest, I just feel like quitting. I, like, I want to be a Buddhist or something. I don't know why. I want to give up. And then I hear a story of what God's doing in someone's life. And it, man, it just bolsters me, encourages me. There's so much power in a story. 
You all have marriage Mondays here, re-engage. We, we started that at one of our other churches and Mountain Park has been so helpful and it's just about hearing each other's stories. Tell the story. We've had the Coopers and the Bucci's come out and they've told their story. I'm going, I can't wait till you hear their story. This is gonna be so good for you. And then they tell their story about what they were like before God and what, what God did in their lives and marriage. And I'm just going, golly, I needed to hear that. Oh, I needed to hear that. It bolstered me up so much. I want to, I can't believe it. God's so good. He did that in your life. He could do that in my life. We need each other's stories. The world needs our stories. In this darkened world, it's gone so crazy. And it feels like it's about ready to fall off the cliff. The light of the world is still the hope of the world, Jesus. And he needs us to be the children of the light to shine through. And through our life and through our words to point to him. Tell our stories. And then finally, Jesus heard that they threw him out. <laughs> they had enough of, him, of this guy. He wasn't doing what they, he was supposed to do. And then I love this in verse 35. When Jesus found him, when he found him, he, he said, do you believe in the son of man? The man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. When he found him. He found him when he was blind and couldn't see. And he healed him. He got rejected and thrown out. He's all alone and isolated again. And Jesus finds him again. What happened physically when he gave him his sight now happens spiritually when he opens his eyes to who Jesus is. Do you believe in the Son of Man? I don't know who the Son of Man is. I have no idea. Have you heard him speak? Because what you've heard speak, you now see, Jesus says. Your eyes are open. The one speaking to you is him. I heard the words of Jesus. I heard him tell me to go wash and I could see that same voice is the voice of Jesus, is the son of man, is the Messiah. Wow, I believe. Can you imagine what it's gonna be like in heaven? When after all the words we've heard of Jesus and about Jesus, maybe the urgings of Jesus, the voice of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, that all of a sudden when this man God, man, God's son comes walking to us and we put his words, identifying with him, seeing him eyeball to eyeball. Wow. Wow. Jesus. And this man worships him. I don't know if he fell down on the ground to worship him. I don't know if he prayed. I don't know if he sang. What he sang. My imagination, when he got up again, he had a song in his heart still though. And I bet it went something like this even though it wasn't written. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch, a beggar like me. I once was lost and Jesus found me and found me again. And for some of us, and found me again, and found me again, and found me again, and found me again. Aren't you glad he found you? I once was lost, found. I was blind. And now I see.
When he found us, he gave us his amazing grace. And he says, you want to be a part of the story of this amazing grace? Through your life, even your suffering, through your brokenness, through your words, your story. Be my witness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you found us. When everyone else passed us by, you found us. When we were unapproachable, unable to help ourselves, you found us. You changed us. You touched us. You made us different. You gave us a story. You gave us your story. Lord, I want to boldly ask that maybe this week you would open up a door for each one of us. Friend, family, stranger, someone that we can tell our story to. That people will know the light of the world because it is on display in each of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.